Hey everybody, it's Chris Plant, the host of What's Tech, and I am reporting from the road this week. I'm on a move to Austin, but I'm taking a break because I have an important announcement from our sponsor. This episode, it turns out, is brought to you by lynda.com, the online learning platform with over 3,000 on-demand video courses to help you strengthen your business, technology, and creative skills. Maybe you want to master Excel, learn negotiation tactics, build a website, or boost your Photoshop skills. With a lynda.com membership, you can watch and learn from top experts who are passionate about teaching, stream thousands of video courses on demand, and learn on your own schedule. Your lynda.com membership will give you unlimited access to training on hundreds of topics, all for one flat rate. Whether you're looking to become an industry expert, or you're passionate about a hobby, or you just want to learn something new, I want you to visit lynda.com forward slash WT and sign up for a free 10-day trial. That's lynda, L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash WT. So my first camera I actually found in an old abandoned house. Uh, It was an old film camera. My friends and I broke in. We were maybe seven or eight. And we we broke into this house and we were down in the basement looking around, you know, just just doing kid stuff, like being devious. Sure, uh, suburban style. Yeah, yeah, suburban mischief. We were walking around in the basement and there was this panel of wood that looked a little bit different from the rest of the wall. We popped it open and there was this old film camera in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had never used the camera before, but it, it, it had a role in it. So we just started shooting pictures that night. We just took it and figured it out. And uh, it was you know semi-automatic. It would advance on its own and everything. And so we, uh, I took a picture of my friend Greg, who was standing on the railing when we were walking out of the basement. And just a couple minutes later, he actually fell uh, and broke his arm. Wow. Yeah. And he's okay though. He's fine now. Yeah. Yeah. You can tell when the weather's going to change. Yeah. But then I kept using this camera the rest of that week, and I took pictures of all these other things. I took pictures of my my dad got this new car, so when he pulled it up into the driveway the first time that day, it was this nice new yellow Corvette. Took a picture of that. Took a picture of my brother. Um, I took pictures of, like, a lot of different things and people, and when I got the film developed, I realized that the picture I had taken of Greg was actually a picture from when he was falling. And my dad actually crashed that car a couple weeks later, and the picture that I took was of a crashed Corvette, not uh, of the brand new one that he drove up in the driveway. Sean, I- I'm going to stop you right there. Um, I'm pretty sure that this is the plot of the novel Say, Cheese, and Die, um, by children's novelist R.L. Stein, uh, the author of the Goosebumps series. Uh, no. Mm. No, but my first camera was haunted. John, can you hit the uh, the intro music? Hello, and welcome to a new episode of What's Tech, a podcast for TheVerge.com. I'm your host, Christopher Thomas Plant, and today I am joined by my pal Sean O'Kane, a reporter here at The Verge, and also the guy who does most of our photography. Uh, Just to be clear, if anyone's curious, uh, photographs can't predict people's deaths. 
Uh, you can't really, prove that, Chris. I, I, I can, and I will. Uh, <laughs> over the course of this episode, if there's one thing we do, it's prove that, uh, that photographs don't have some uh, prescient power. I'm actually pretty sure that's why <laughs> film is dying. Oh, that's, that does make sense. Yeah. It's predicted its own death. Yeah. Um, let's kick things off. Uh, today's episode is about cameras. That's why I brought you on as an expert. What is a camera in the most basic sense? Okay, not a haunted camera. Not a haunted okay. camera. Uh, so, I mean, a camera is actually, I think it's easy to think of it as this sort of box that can take a couple different forms that all do about the same thing, but it, it can really be a lot of things. And it really, all a camera is, is just a a hole for light to go through and some sort of thing on the other side of that hole that can capture that light and reproduce it. So... It can be an electronic sensor that can be in a digital camera and, you know, bring your images onto a computer. Or it can be, uh, a, it could be a Quaker Oats box with a hole in it with some film inside that gets exposed by that light. So it it is typically an actual thing that you could hold in your hands made out of plastic or metal. But it really can be a lot of things. I, I didn't prep you for this question. <laughs> but what is a camera obscura? Because I, I know I've seen one. Right. But I don't know what it is. <laughs> like, I well, saw that, it. That actually kind of uh, goes along with what I just said. I mean, it, that's where some of the first photography came from, is realizing that a hole in... So a camera obscura is when they're basically that thing that I described, that vague description of, like, a hole in a wall and then an image on the other side of that hole. So if you were to take, like, a, a big room and poke a small hole in the wall and it looked out into the street the light would actually come in through that hole and project onto that opposite wall upside down. A lot like how our eyes work. And that's a camera obscura. That's trippy as hell. Yeah, it is. Oh. I was just thinking about, like, I remember reading something about painters who may have used camera obscuras to, like, Mm. paint their realistic masterpieces, and now it all makes sense. Yeah, because you could throw it on there and... You know, as long as most of that scene isn't moving, I mean, if you're looking at buildings or not necessarily people walking by, you could actually sort of trace along uh, what was going on outside your room. Okay. Now, what is an SLR camera? So a single lens reflex is just basically, that means there's something in between that hole where the light is coming through and where the light is going. So it's usually a mirror or a prism, and it takes that light and shows you through a, view, a viewfinder what you're actually going to end up exposing onto the film or onto the sensor. Uh, so instead of something where a lot of old like point-and-shoot cameras or film cameras have viewfinders that don't really match up with what you're actually going to shoot onto the film, this lets you see exactly what you're going to shoot onto the frame. Uh, and so this is like what, traditionally what a camera is, is you want to see exactly what you're going to expose. And then uh, the mirror... Uh, will move out of the way when you take the picture and it'll interrupt that that light coming into your eye very briefly and expose the film or the sensor and make the image that you want to make. This is eye-opening. That is not what I thought Nestle was at all, and I've used it. Yeah. And this is going to be a great podcast uh, because <laughs> it's a lot of things that I thought I understood and then realized I never thought to ask myself about it. I was like, sure, SLR, it's the long one. Yeah. Like the, the, the bigger one. Yeah. Uh, well, um, it's it's kind of like, it's a word that is thrown around a lot because it's just 
it's the most distinguishing factor for the most popular type of camera. Now, what is the difference then between a traditional camera, like I, I guess specifically here we'll go with a traditional SLR, mm-hmm. and a digital camera? Is that the Im- image sensor? Right. Well, a traditional film SLR uh, works a lot of the ways the same way as a digital SLR, uh, except for when that mirror moves, the light exposes a piece of film, uh, usually one frame on a roll of 24 or 36 exposures. Um, whereas a digital SLR, when that mirror moves up, the light ex- uh, actually hits a digital sensor. Uh, and then the digital sensor takes that light and turns it into basically electronic information that can be stored on a memory card as an image. Now, I've always heard about megapixels. Okay. And like back in the day, I remember like I got a small Sony camera and it had like three megapixels. And people (laughs) were like, three megapixels on a camera that small? That's amazing. And now I don't think that's a lot of megapixels. But I've also heard the megapixels are not as important as a good image sensor. Is that true? And like what is like... Is there, like, a max amount of megapixels before it's just, like, stupid? Uh, well, it's it's kind of tricky. It's it, Megapixels aren't the deciding factor in how good a camera is. Uh, the more you have, the typically the better off you are. Uh, the way images are used these days, it's mostly on computers, on phones. For that kind of stuff, you really only need an image of about 8 megapixels um, for it to look really good. Uh, if you want to print a photo, uh, you're going to want something that's a little bit higher. You know, 8 megapixels will get the job done, but you you want a camera that's going to actually shoot a bigger resolution than that. So it matters a little bit, but it's not really the most important thing. So megapixels has more to do with, like, what you're going to put it on. So if you're going to put a picture on a billboard, you're probably going to want more pixels, essentially, because it's going to be blown up larger. Yeah, typically you want to. You would have wanted to start with the highest amount that you could. Sure. Um, but you're also there's other factors that you're working with there because the billboard would be further away, so it's harder to see the actual little detail. Sure. And it kind of futz with that a bit. So. And then the image sensor, the value there. Right. It, uh, usually, the value in an image sensor, a digital image sensor, is just the size. Um, so you'll hear the term full frame thrown around a lot, and full frame cameras are just digital cameras that have a digital sensor that is actually the same size as a piece of 35-millimeter film. Um, And so that's sort of the barrier right now for digital SLRs. It's full frame is like kind of the highest quality for compact portable digital SLRs um, because you can't really fit a sensor that's much bigger than that in that traditional camera format uh, before you really have to start building it bigger to, to actually make all the optics work. What is a mirrorless camera? And I'm, I'm guessing that this has to do with the SLR, the mirror prism that reflected it up to the viewfinder. Yeah? Yeah? Yeah. yeah? There, yeah. This is great. Yeah, so a mirrorless camera is just one that works without that mirror. But that also then means you can't see exactly what you're pointing your lens at. Uh, so mirrorless cameras all typically have either just a sort of very dumbed down like window through the side of the camera you know like a little viewfinder that just has a little kind of target in it and it's sort of a representation of what you're gonna your picture is gonna be but it's not necessarily exact Um, but a lot of cameras now have digital viewfinders which have a little tiny lcd screen in that little hole and it actually that will actually show you what you're shooting 
which is kind of cool. And the technology for that has gotten a lot better. A lot of cameras like the Fuji X100T, which I know you just got, Love has it. a really good digital viewfinder. Uh, the lag is really not, there's not much lag there. Uh, so you're seeing a pretty live view of what you're, uh, what the lens is seeing. Uh, and the resolution's good, so you're getting a pretty good idea of what the color looks like and how crisp it is, if it's in focus, all that kind of stuff. So so mirrorless cameras work without that mirror uh, by basically giving you a digital rep- representation of uh, what you're seeing. Now, uh, I've already written about this, so I'm, I'm obviously a little biased. But okay. uh, is your smartphone camera okay for most people like would you recommend more more people have uh traditional cameras or are they gonna get by pretty well with what's strapped to their phone they're gonna get by pretty well with what's strapped to their phone but that's mostly because the way we use images like i said before is still you don't often end up needing to see a very high resolution resolution image which is kind of sad but uh for the most part, people are pretty good off because the iPhone's camera is really good. The Galaxy S6's camera is really good. Most phone cameras are really getting to a point where they're producing pretty good images. A lot of people will say, oh, well, if you ever want to go back and print those out or if you ever want to you know, do something with them, is anybody doing that? I don't think anybody is actually doing that. So I don't think that's really a worry. You're definitely better off if you do have something else to shoot with. Um, I mean, like what you wrote was really a great summary of um, a lot of the different reasons why you'd want something else uh, that can produce a better, higher quality image. Also give you different options as far as, you know, zoom or different lenses or just more manual controls. Um, But people are pretty happy with their cell phone cameras. That doesn't necessarily mean it should stop there, though. The problem really is that good small, compact cameras are still not quite that affordable. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like if you're going to spend, I mean, to get something that's like small and really good. I mean, the X100T is. It's really kind of the low end right now. I mean, that's like. And and that's that's a crazy low end for most people. Yeah, because it's over $1,000. Yeah. And there are some other cameras. There's like the Sony RX100 series is really great. And those are typically under $1,000. But I mean. The thing that people think of as like their first camera, probably more than anything else, is are those really little point and shoots like Nikon's Coolpix series, uh, Sony's Cybershot series, Canon's uh, Digital Elf series, and those have not really kept up with the times. The image quality isn't that great. Yeah, you know they're 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 trying to do too much and too small of a package, and so if you're going to spend three or four hundred dollars and not get much of a return there, then you're probably better off with your phone. Because yeah. you're going to get close to that, and you already have that phone. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I feel like, I feel like we're even seeing it already in terms of people switching over to nice cameras. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think more Instagram, people have that. Yeah. And, I, and I think it's because the Instagram game has become so important for a lot of people. Whether it's people who are, you know, getting their dog followers, <laughs> which is a weirdly a lot of people that I, I know in New York. Or, or That's just, a whole other episode. Yeah, capturing their <laughs> Etsy stuff. But there's, yeah. I, I think there's more reasons for people to uh, to be motivated to have photographs that look better than everything else. And that was clearly the design of Instagram was to hide the visual problems of a photograph from right. a cell phone. I mean, But they're actually what, bumping up against some really weird 
they're having a really weird moment with that right now because uh, phone screens have gotten way better and Instagram specifically doesn't really look great. I mean, it compresses the images a lot and so photos don't really look right on these new phone screens. If you have like a Galaxy S6 or an iPhone 6 or something like that with a really great screen, Instagram's kind of actually become a bummer to scroll through. Yeah. Uh, and so that's something they're going to need to address. Like they're going to need to, they had a good couple of years where they were able to hide, you know, use these filters to hide the quality of your photos. But like, but you know, that's also from my perspective and a lot of people actually still don't care about that. And so yeah. they just want to see these pictures of, of dogs and cats and yeah. food. Are you ready for quick fire round? Oh yeah. Here it is. Uh, what is shutter speed? So shutter speed is just basically the amount of time that that mirror and has moved and the shutter has opened to expose either the piece of film or the digital sensor. Uh, what is uh, aperture? So the aperture is the opening where the light comes through, and it's measured in numbers that are called f-stops. And that can not only change the brightness of a photo, but it can also change the f- um, the depth of field. So the more light you let in, the shallower the depth of field will be. So I could take a picture of you with a really wide open aperture and let a lot of light in, but I'm only going to get maybe just your eye in focus. Or I could close it way down and I could get most of you in focus, but I'm going to need more light to do that. What is ISO? ISO is a a rating of how sensitive either the piece of film that you're shooting on or the digital sensor is at the moment. So the higher the ISO number, the uh, more light it's going to be able to take in in any given like any given amount of time. So you know if it's a piece of film, if it's got a high ISO number, it's really sensitive to light. So you're not going to need to expose the film for that long. Uh, and the same basically goes for the digital version of that. But with the digital version, you can actually just change it on the fly. And film, you have an entire role that's one rating of ISO. So you're stuck with it. What is a raw image? So a raw image is basically the the raw expression of what the sensor captured uh, from the light that was coming into the camera. Uh, and it lets you play around with things like brightness and contrast and and all that a little bit more than you would with just like a JPEG image before you lose quality uh, in the final product. Uh, and the but the file size with raw images is way bigger, probably like three or four times more depending on what camera you're shooting with. What is your favorite camera? Um, I mean, my favorite aside from the haunted one. Yes, aside <laughs> from the one that killed your best friend. Uh, my favorite camera is the Fuji X100S. Um, I mean, I've shot with DSLRs for years, uh, and I've I've used tons of different cameras. I really like the one on my iPhone 6, but I haven't fallen... I'll tell everybody this. I haven't... Like, I fell in love with the Fuji X100S faster than any other camera. I bring it with me everywhere. Uh, I just went on a vacation last week. It was the only camera I brought with me. Uh, it's just... It's, it's compact. It makes beautiful images. And it challenges you a bit. I mean, you know this with the T. You have to really kind of move around and frame up your shot. It's not quite as stand back and frame your shot like from a distance as the DSLR can be. Uh, and lastly, how do you store your photos? Because this is what freaks me out, honestly, yeah. about photography. Is like I spend yeah. all this time and my fear, and this just happened. Oh, my gosh. Don't tell my wife this. Okay. So... 
Or you, listener. Uh, so our wedding photographs oh. were on this hard drive that Ooh. our our friend who shot our wedding, oh, like did all of our video editing and all this stuff, right. put it all on this hard drive. And uh, we're in the process of moving out of the apartment. And I was like, oh, I should make sure that everything's off that hard drive, put it on a few other hard drives. Of course. Um, and it wasn't uh, like appearing on any of our computers. Mm. And I was like, oh, shoot okay um, because yeah. like we have all these precious photos yeah and and we have like yeah some of them are printed but not all of them because there were thousands of photos taken You're giving me goosebumps this right is, it's, it's not oh, oh. Right. um uh but but eventually i figured out it, i had to like get connected to a firewire cable which man technology fun <laughs> yeah um but yeah like w- that is my fear my fear is switching to digital and something, somehow me leaving all my photographs on one hard drive and being screwed or, you know, something going wrong with Dropbox and me being out right. of luck. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, I think that's just, it feels like a more pressing fear because I think we're more, we're more worried about digital things day to day. I think it's just as much of a worry as if you say had all your photos printed out in a bunch of albums and they were in a box and like, what if that box got ruined or you know like things like that uh i myself have a disgusting amount of external hard drives uh because i've spent a lot of my sort of like semi-pro photography career shooting concerts which means i'm coming back with you know at any number of like a couple hundred to a couple thousands of photos a night um, so I, my only move really was to just fill up all these external hard drives. I'm also someone, a lot of photographers will tell you to just go through every photo and delete the ones that are like clearly bad. I have like a really innate fear of ever, maybe I might need that one frame or, you know, like, <laughs> a, and also because the space is kind of cheap to buy. So like, I, why bother? It's also, it's a big time suck. I don't want to go through it whatever. So I just put them all on external hard drives. Don't tell my non-existent wife. <laughs> I don't back those up yet. Oh, I have to figure out a way to do no. that. <laughs> Cuz I have like 10 or 12 terabytes of no hard drives. They will fail. Yeah, I know. One of those something will go wrong. Yeah. Oh, it's now bad. That, that's truly a spooky story. <laughs> it is. <laughs> but I the way to do that then is and what I'll probably do is find either come up with another set of like redundant hard drives to copy that stuff to or uh find a cloud service that can sort of back it up there. Um, thank you for joining me today. Uh, and thank you to John Lagamarcino, our producer. And thank you, the listener, the person who makes us all worthwhile, who is writing us a letter right now about our inaccuracies of goosebumps. Don't worry. We know it was a Polaroid camera. You can stop writing that message right here, right now. Uh, if you'd like more of this show, we are on iTunes. You can find us or What's Tech. While you're there, leave a review. It really helps us out. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. We are at What's Tech. And, like, I don't know. If you've, like, left that review and you're like, I want to do more nice things for these people, share us with your friends. That would be killer. 
And if you still want more stuff, there's also the site, theverge.com, Tronrise or whatever. It's pretty great. It's all right. You should go check that out, too. I actually, a piece of advice, I actually spend most of my time while I'm backing up photos writing What's Tech reviews. Wow, that's you. Yeah, that's why you have like seven. (laughs) You're you're all of the one-star reviews. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) This guy's a real goober. Oh, you wanted good ones. (laughs) This is the worst Goosebumps fan sign I've ever heard. Says Sean O'Kane. Um, thank you for listening. Until next time, we'll see you later. Bye. Thank you again for listening today. This episode was brought to you by the kind people at lynda.com. Now, you might have heard me up top, and I mentioned you getting that free 10-day trial of lynda.com, and I strongly recommend it, because you know what? Knowledge is power, and that's why we have a show like this. Go to lynda.com forward slash WT and sign up for a free 10-day trial. That's lynda, L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash WT. Okay, I'm going to go back to uh, this road trip. Right now I'm in Kansas City. I'm eating some barbecue tonight, uh, and then I'm going to hit the road. Next up, I think, is like Oklahoma City, and then Austin, Texas, where we'll be continuing the show from there. I can't wait for it. I'll see y'all later. Bye.